are pretty sure of how we're going to do it. We are going to exalt. We are going to encourage. We are going to engage. The what is the how, and it is a process that we want people to go through. Because we believe wholeheartedly the very first thing that someone has to do in their relationship with Christ is to see Jesus as he is and to exalt him as the Christ and coming king. And we believe that from that seeing Christ as he is, there is this next step that we have to take to engage in Christian community and encourage one another in our faith together. But the journey does not end there. If it did, we would be perfectly fine and content and happy sitting here every week singing songs, listening to sermons, and that's where it stops. But it does not end there. That the next step someone must take is this step to engage their neighbor. That this is a cycle that we begin going through. And as we engage our neighbor, what we are hoping to do is to help them to see and exalt Christ. So that's where I say that I kind of misled you a little bit saying, hey, this is the what, not the how. It's actually both. The what is the how. And the reason that we're doing things like Nehemiah for our Bible classes is because Nehemiah's life looks so much like this process. That Nehemiah begins with this passion to see Christ, this coming Messiah, who he knows will happen one day. He wants to see him and exalt him, and so he says, we need to rebuild the walls around this city. And he moves these people together with one mission together to rebuild the walls. And he rebuilds the walls so that Jerusalem and God's people, Israel, can fulfill God's purpose in the world. There is an extremely important connection between the two that you have to see. So as we continue on in this series and talking about exalt Christ, encourage one another and engage my neighbor, understand the what is the how. That this is the process of discipleship and it is the process that we see throughout Scripture as we read through God's Word. This morning I want to invite you to turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those being saved. See, the the church has a missional problem. And our missional problem 
is really a discipleship problem. That we are not great at discipling people. We're really good at inviting people in and letting them be a part of this. We're not so great as going out and engaging them and inviting them to see Christ and walking through them so they learn to be in community with another, with one another and then go out to encourage and engage this community. We're not very good at that process. You see, the missional problem is really a discipleship problem, and the discipleship problem is a gospel problem. We need a bigger gospel. So many times the gospel that we preach is Jesus died and was raised from the dead and you need to believe so that you can be saved. That is not the gospel. That is part of the gospel. And if you read Paul's sermons, and if you read the early church, this is a story that people are invited into. The gospel is the good news that God is redeeming and restoring all of creation and bringing everyone to the knowledge and love of him. It's not about you. It is about God restoring his kingdom. And so we ask ourselves as a church, well, what's the mission of our church? God's church does not have a mission. God has a church for his mission. And we are invited to be a part of what he is doing. And so the good news of the gospel is, yes, Christ is redeeming you. But he's doing it to build his kingdom here on earth through you. You do not have the luxury of coming and sitting to simply be a part. He wants you to be a participant in the kingdom work that is happening all around us. And so one of the very core fundamental principles that's happening in this church, in the early church in Acts 2, is they're teaching, they're breaking bread, they're fellowshipping with one another, and they're praying together. And so many times we talk about it. You're going to have to bear with me a little bit this morning. East Texas allergies have gotten their hold on me. But they're not things that he is instructing, saying, these are commands that I'm giving you. Make sure you're teaching. Make sure you're breaking bread. Make sure you're praying together. Make sure you're fellowshipping. He's not saying, hey, here are these commands that you must do. He's saying, here's what it looks like to live life together as God's church. This is what it looks like to be a part of what God is doing in the world. This is how we come together to encourage one another. And so many times we have this mentality of, we're coming here to worship Christ. And there is a sense in which we are doing that. But the reason that we are doing that is to encourage the people beside us to follow him because our worship happens 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It is not confined to a building. This is not the temple of the Old Testament where you come to worship God and offer your sacrifices. This is the church. It is the people of God who are living on mission for God. 
And so as his people, here is a part of our life together. We're going to teach. We're going to break bread. We're going to fellowship together. And we're going to pray like crazy that God's kingdom comes on earth as it is in heaven. And we're not just going to pray that God's kingdom comes on earth as it is in heaven. We're going to participate in building that kingdom as it is in heaven here on earth. And so there's this part after this where he says, everyone was filled with awe at the signs and wonders. And it really makes it seem like a magic trick. Like when I read this, like the thing I, I walk away with is like, let's see here, if I, have a, if I have a quarter somewhere. Like, hey, look, I have a quarter. Whoop, it's gone. Like, I mean, that, that's like the sense that I get, but what are they doing? Like, what is it that's so inspiring? What is it that's bringing awe? What is it that's bringing wonder? When Jesus had called together the twelve, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Like this is what the apostles are sent out to do. This is what they are doing every single day. They're preaching, they're casting out demons, they're healing the sick. And there is a miraculous sense to what they are doing. And people are in awe and wonder of it. But as we talked about before, there's a very ordinary, everyday sense to this as well. Because to preach is just to proclaim truth where we see it. I mean, that's all a preacher does. That's all someone who is sharing the gospel does. They point to the truth that they see in this world of how God is at work within the world. To, to cast out demons is simply to free people from something that enslaves them. Things like addiction. What does it look like to walk alongside of someone every day as they're struggling with pornography? What does it look like to walk alongside someone who struggles with addiction or gluttony or greed? I mean, that's all in, in the very sense of casting out demons. That's all. It's freeing someone from something that enslaves them. And then to heal the sick is just to bring need to a broken and hurting body. And so there is this miraculous sense in which this is happening. But there is also this very ordinary, everyday, I'm just simply doing what I am capable of doing. Correct? Like, I, I don't know if I can heal someone and make them see. I don't know if I can make someone who is lame walk. I don't know if I can do that. But what I can do is care for someone who's hurting. What I can do is visit someone in the hospital. What I can do is walk next door to my neighbor and take them something to eat. What I can do is speak truth to people who are searching for the truth and maybe just don't know it. So there is this extraordinary sense in which they are preaching and proclaiming the gospel, which they are casting out demons, 
in which they are healing the sick, but there's also this very ordinary, everyday sense in which you and I can participate just as easily because they are simply doing what it is they are capable of doing. So why is it that it's so important that we do this? Why is it so important that we're preaching and teaching? Why is it so important that we're breaking bread, that we're fellowshipping together, that we're praying together? Because this life forms community together. It forms us around the same purpose and the same goals that we are here as the body of Christ to see Him exalted. And I worship Him on a Sunday morning because it draws me closer to Him. But I also do it because it draws me closer to each of you. And then as I proclaim Christ is risen and Christ is alive and Christ is coming again, as I proclaim that, sometimes it's not because I need to be reminded of it, because it's because of the person sitting next to me and they're struggling and they need to be reminded of it. Because there are some days we come here broken and hurting and just searching for hope and help and healing. And we have nothing left within us to sing these songs that Christ is risen and Christ is coming. But we gain such encouragement from the people standing around us who are. See, we lift each other up. We walk together. We do life together. But what you're going to see throughout the rest of the book of Acts is mission happened together. As God sends people out, he doesn't give this sermon where Jesus says, hey, I want you to go out, now that you've been encouraged and filled, I want you to go out and share Jesus. He says, hey, come here, you 72. You too. You go out together. And 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 live life on mission. See, mission in the New Testament happens in the context of community. It happens in the, the, the context of each other. Sharing life together with people who are around. And sometimes we need that. We need people to walk alongside us and encourage us and help us. This last weekend, um, our family was at a wedding in Oklahoma City. And for some reason, they decided a great time to start a Sunday wedding was at 5.30 on Sunday evening. And so we go to the wedding, and it's outside, and we get done. It was great. Um, It was like my sermons, like 15 minutes. It was perfect. Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, 15. Um, and we get inside, and we, we are waiting for them to get all the pictures done. And we had had this goal that, okay, we're going to try to leave by about 7. We didn't eat dinner till 8 o'clock. They started serving dinner. 
and we had to wait for the dinner if we wanted to actually see the bride and groom who we were there to see in the first place. And so we're waiting and we're waiting and we finally get to see him and we scarf down our food and we tell our kids, eat fast, which with Caleb and Kaylee right now is, doesn't happen. We're telling them, eat fast, eat fast, let's go until finally we get on the road about 8.30. Driving back from Oklahoma City, the north side of Oklahoma City, all the way to Tyler. And just so you know, our bedtime is usually for our kids about 8.30 and for Cammie and I, about 10 to 10.30. If the Rangers are on the West Coast, it might be a late night where I go to 10.35. Make it to the fifth inning. I do not do well at night. And so we're driving, and I'm trying to keep my eyes open, and we finally hit Dallas a little after midnight. And I have this energy drink, and I, I think, okay, i got to drink something now. I drink it, we, we get on. And we're almost home. Like, we're, we're canting. And Cammie, the whole way, she had kind of been in and out of sleep, and finally she wakes up. I was like, you've got to help me, or we're not making it home. You've got to start talking to me. And so she starts talking, and we have, we're having conversation. And I'm trying to keep my eyes open. And finally, we see 49. And I think, okay, I'm just cutting off. I can drive 70 the rest of the way and, and make it home as quick as we can. I turn on 70, and for some reason, my body was kind of in that mode of like, oh, we made it. And so I'm driving, and it's getting dark. And I remember, Cammie's like talking to me, and I hear, I'm hearing this conversation in my head. And I look up over the horizon, and I'm sitting here driving, and I think, I didn't remember a lake out here. And I realized, like, I was in this daze where I was just out of it. And she is like trying everything she can to keep me awake. Like, stay awake. Come on, we're almost home. We're almost home. We're almost home. And we made it. But, but something like we learn in this is, like, sometimes you've got to have people right beside you saying, come on, you can make it. Come on, you, you can do this. Come on, I know it seems hopeless right now. I, I know it seems like the job is never going to come. I know it seems like the money, the debt's never going to go away. I know it seems like the addiction is never going to be won. I understand that the marriage seems like it's hopeless. You've got to hang in there. You've got to keep going. We need each other for this. Because sometimes it's all that we can do to just simply get out of bed another day. And we've got to have other people beside us walking with us. And so what these people were committed to doing is they met together every day. They met in the temple courts and they met in homes. They met in the temple courts for this corporate time, but they met in homes to fellowship with one another, to encourage one another to be together. There, there was this very much every day, we need people there, because let, let's just face it, when we come here once a week, or you come here even twice a week, there's a very real sense of the rest of the week, I kind of feel like I'm on my own. 
if we don't have connections with other people. And here's the thing, I talk to people every week who feel like even though they're here, they still feel alone. And sometimes people you would never guess, you would look and say, oh, that person is so connected and they've got it all together. And yet they're the ones who are struggling and feel like I don't have any connections and I don't have anyone walking with me and I don't know how I'm going to make it. You see, it's really easy when you are connected to just make the assumption that everyone else is. And we have to work really hard as a church to make sure that everyone is connected. When we talk about partnership in this church, what we're saying is we're going to partner together for the kingdom of God and we're going to help one another in this journey. And here's why we don't like to do that so much. Because sometimes it gets really, really messy. Sometimes it's really difficult to walk alongside people who are hurting. It's really difficult to help people who are in the midst of an addiction. It's difficult to help people that you think you need to help and you don't know how to help. But we have to be able to walk alongside one another. And so things that we've committed to, we've committed to as a church trying to do ministry intergenerationally. And we've talked about this before, but now there are five generations in our churches because people are living longer than ever before and that is a beautiful thing but in a church it can be kind of difficult but just because it's difficult doesn't mean it's not the right thing to do we say well this generation and this generation they don't mix it they do we've just got to find the ways that they do Well, the teenagers, they don't want to be with the older generation. Yeah, they do. What's really amazing in all the generational studies they've done is the older generation, the traditional generation, born before 1945, they'll say, the younger people don't want to listen to us. And the younger generation, the millennials, will say, we would love for older people to walk alongside of us, but we feel like all this generation does is lecture us. See, see, what's amazing is both generations want to be able to pour into one another. And this generation is saying, well, this generation doesn't speak our language. And this generation is saying, this generation doesn't listen. But what if we work together to learn how to change our language so that we could live together and do life together like it was intended to be? And so we're committed as as a church to trying to create five-to-one connections within our student ministry. Making sure we have five adults around each of our kids, not on every single trip, but just doing life with each other. Because the statistics say that about 60% of our teenagers are graduating from high school and walking away from their faith. 60%. That's not okay. 
But what the statistics do show is if you put one other adult around that teenager, that 60% number is cut in half. That we cannot just sit here and do what we've always been done because, oh, it looks so great to have this big youth group. It was. That's the youth groups I grew up in. And for a lot of you, your kids grew up in them, and they had great experiences. I did too. But there is a reason that over half of the kids that I graduated with from Highland Oaks back in 1998 aren't in church anymore. There's a reason for that. And I'll, I'll hear people all the time say, well, we just need to teach them the Bible better. That's, it's not, that's not it. I, I can tell you as a youth minister, I taught the Bible. But the problem is we created this little subculture called youth group that was apart from the church. And we can't do that. Yes, there's got to be some times that teenagers go and have time by themselves. And you need it too. I get it. But there's also has to be some times where we come together as a church family. And we share life together. And for one generation, you've got to learn how to speak the language of this generation. They want a a coach and not a lecturer. And that's difficult to do sometimes. But it's so important for our church. See, what we see in this early church is that the glorious, the awe and the wonder that was inspired happened in the ordinary, everyday life of the church. So our eyes help to transform our hearts. Because when we see Christ as he is, it transforms our hearts in the way that we see one another. But also, as we encourage one another, it empowers our hands. Our eyes, our hearts, our hands. As we move here with our hands, it's so important that we come back to people that do not know Jesus and serve them to help them see Christ so that they continue on in this process. This is discipleship. This is what it looks like to to walk alongside one another. And what we've been really good at We've been really good at connecting with each other. We've not been as good at caring for each other. It's easy to come in here and slap someone on the back and tell them we're happy they're here. It's a different story to walk alongside someone. But what I've seen in this church is there are so many people who are so good at caring for one another. There are so many people that are good at taking care of the needs of other people who encourage each other. But that can't just be a part of what we do here. If we're going to be a church that is being used for God's mission in building His kingdom in this world, we have to get really good at encouraging one another to go out on mission together.
And that's Shiloh has done for a long time, but we haven't been as good at getting outside the walls of this building as we have just hoping and praying that just someone comes in. We'll save you a seat. Come on. Come be a part. But yet today there's more mistrust in people on the outside of the church than there's ever been before. And so we cannot just sit here and hope they're going to come in. We have to do what the gospel tells us. That we are going into all the world to proclaim the good news, to cast out demons, and to heal the sick. To do what you are capable of doing. Yes, there's the miraculous, but there's also the very ordinary and everyday. I want you to watch this story. Well, I'm Charles Sadler. Um, let's do my little short story. Um, I grew up here in Tyler, coming to Shiloh Road with my grandparents. Um, was pretty involved with the youth group and everything. Uh, then when my mom got remarried, we moved to Plano. Started going to school there and church some. And it started, you know, getting heavy into drugs <clears throat> and shying away from God. And moved back to Tyler thinking that would help. And uh, it just got worse, got real bad into methamphetamines and, you know, just totally lost control of myself and who I was. Um, started doing things I never thought I'd do. Uh, went to rehab you know, a couple times, but it never seemed to work. Couldn't figure out why. And kept getting into more trouble until back December 28th of 2012. Uh, I got charged with two counts, aggravated armed robbery with a deadly weapon. Um, you know, had no way out, was in jail. And my grandpa, uh, Willie Freeman, started writing me. We started doing Bible studies together, and he sent me a book, a Bible. I started reading it, and you know, getting back into the faith and, and in touch with God, and uh, that really helped me. And then I don't know, I just got on my knees one one day in my cell and asked God. I know I messed up, but give me something I can handle. And he did. He gave me, uh, dropped my charges to just robbery, got two years prison, and, um, you know, I got out, had a job ever since, recently got married, getting more involved, and going pretty good.
because it's a story that you played a part in. For, for a lot of people sitting here, Charles was in the youth group when you were a parent. And to see someone just walk away, there has to be some people who are willing to engage in his life. There has to be someone who's willing to engage in the lives of our teenagers and our children. You have to be willing to engage in the lives of people who are all around you at work every single day. Like, this is not a mission field. The mission field is when we walk outside of these doors. That we're here to encourage one another to go out and be Jesus' hands and feet in this world. And you see, we believe that life change happens in circles, not rows. Because you can come here every single week and you can hear a great sermon probably from someone else, but you can hear a great sermon. You, you can sing and worship and be inspired and be led to fall. But if you don't have other people connected with you on this journey, when you walk outside these doors, it usually does not stick. Because it is difficult to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus by yourself. We're in this together. One of the priorities that we've talked about over the last several weeks is groups. That we think it's so important that everyone in our church is connected to a group. And, and I get there is some danger in doing groups. There, there is. There's danger that a group becomes closed off and not accepting towards other people. There, there's danger that when you put yourself out there, you're going to get hurt. But that's not groups. That's relationships, period. And so many times we say, well, we've, we've tried those things before and it didn't work. Well, a lot of times it's the how that did not work and not the What? We believe that you need a sense of community and other people who are sharing life together. Not everyone who looks like you and who is your age and your life stage, but people from different generations. That we're growing together, we're helping each other. So in a few weeks, we're going to relaunch groups for this year. They're called e-groups. And we're going to have on October 9th what we're going to call Group Link that night. At 6 p.m., we're going to be in here. We're going to start out. Um, we want you to be here because we want you to get connected to a group. There are all kinds of different groups, but we want you to be a part of that. And we'll explain in a lot more detail that night what groups are going to look like, but we want you to be here for that. And on the 16th, groups are going to begin. Um, again, we say this is important. Not just because we want to try something that's trendy, but because we have talked to too many people who are not connected to the life of the church. That there are too many people that aren't plugged in, even though they're here. 
And this is too important to just simply sit back and say, we're not going to try anymore because we tried once and it hadn't worked as well as we wanted it to. There, there is this very real sense in the early church that they met together in temple courts and in homes because they had life that they lived together with the believers every single day. And so as a part of this mission, this vision, understand this, the mission, the vision, and the process is all the same. The, the what and the how is all the same. Exalt, encourage, engage. There is always a next step for you. There is always a next step. If you have never seen Christ as he is and sacrificed your life for his kingdom through baptism, that is your next step. Don't don't go another day without doing that. If you're here and you're a follower of Jesus and you're not plugged into community, you have two next steps. We want you to be in a Bible class. Start today. Walk out there to the Welcome Center. We will get you to where you need to go. Make it a priority to be growing in God's Word every single week. And then the next step is a small group. We want you to be connected with one of our e-groups. And again, we'll tell you more about that on October 9th. We want you to be a part of community. We want to do life together. But we want to do life together so we can go live on mission together. So, what's your next step? What is the next thing you need to do in your faith journey as you grow closer to Jesus? Because the only person who can answer that question is you. And it's easy to say, well, well I'm, I'm here. I'm plugged in. But you cannot have a close relationship with everyone. You can't. You can't know everyone. You can't know what's going on in everyone's life, no matter how bad you want to. You can't. And so we have to be able to make sure everyone in our church is connected to someone. Everyone has to be connected to someone. Father, help us, Father, as a church, to live as your people. Father, give us the courage to go from this place and live life together on mission for your kingdom, to build your church here on earth as it is in heaven. Father, thank you Thank you for this great day that we have to encourage one another, to worship you. And Father, we pray that anyone here who's never seen Jesus exalted, high, and lifted up, that they will today through those of us gathered here. Because Christ has no hands but our hands. He has no feet but our feet. So, Father, help us to bring the good news to a broken world. We pray this in his powerful name. Amen. If you've never given your life to Christ, we offer you that invitation this morning. If we could simply pray for you.
wherever you are. We're going to have ministry staff and shepherds around the back of the room. We would love to do that while we stand and sing.